Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. The impact of mental illness on the spiritual life can be devastating. God often seems absent or worse, present, but indifferent. Mental illness often leaves those whose lives are centered around the relationship with God feeling utterly lost and abandoned. This is exactly what happened to today's guest. We're joined by Timothy Colburn today. He's a former pastor who experienced a mental breakdown in 2009. He's recently put a book together called Directions for Getting Lost, a spiritual journey through the wilderness of mental illness. He'll share his story with us today on Connections. Our guest today is Tim Colburn. He served the Canadian Baptists of Western Canada as pastor of four churches over the course of his career. He's most recently gained the title of author. Um, So... Over the course of your career, you worked as a pastor. Tell us a little bit about your career. Well, I served about 30 years as a pastor with the Baptist Union of Western Canada, or what is now called the Canadian Baptist of Western Canada. Um, during that time with a colleague, I developed and served as the first director of the Centre for Spiritual Formation at Cary Theological College. And then um, I developed a program called the Ascent Leadership Program, Our guest today is Tim Colburn. He served the Canadian Baptists of Western Canada as pastor of four churches over the course of his career. He's most recently gained the title of author. Um, So over the course of your career, you worked as a pastor. Tell us a little bit about your career. I was subsequently diagnosed with a bipolar disorder. What was that like for you to be in a spiritual world, to work in the church um, and then have to go through uh, a situation like that? It was really difficult because the day that I had my breakdown, I was, um, I was put on three months leave, and I really never went back to the church because I never got better um, for a long, long time. And so it was an immediate cutoff from the church, and while people reached out to me, I was really instructed to have minimal contact um, with my work, which was the church, of course. So in many ways, that was kind of isolating, except that I had a, many, many friends that I knew from my church ministry throughout the years that I had lots of support and lots of caring people in my life. What would you say helped you the most to get through this, this deep, dark time? Well, writing the book was a major, um, major part of that. I didn't start out to write a book, but I journaled. And I journaled about the things that I was reading in Scripture. And um, as I was writing, um, I just felt that was a, such a great outlet um, for me in a way to express, it, if not for anybody else, at least to, for myself, to express the anguish that I was going through. Um, I have to say that uh, my work with my psychiatrist and the medication that she put together for me over the years has been something that is is probably primary in my being able to function normally, as normally as I can. One thing you say is that as Christians, um, we believe our strength and our joy, it comes from the Lord. But when battling um, mental illness, that can be difficult to see and to be able to fit those two together. What was that battle like for you? 
that battle was really hard because I felt completely lost. And I felt like I had been uh, abandoned. I went through a Job experience where I didn't sense God was present at all in my life. Um, And at times I even felt like God was there, but God was indifferent. And these were all things that were very difficult for me. I'd served all those years as a pastor, and I felt like God had really let me down. Um, And so that was a that was a very, very difficult thing, and really, I, I outline that in the book, the, my progress through that, um, working that through, um, and coming to a place where I understood that God was present, but it really made my relationship with God hard, and it still does, because I still continue to struggle at times with my mental illness. So how can we, uh, as the church and, and people um, that love Jesus, how can we change our views of mental illness to help people in their journey as they recover or as they're in recovery? Yeah, I, I think that um, the church really, uh, I hate to say this, but it's a failing grade, I think, for the uh, way that mentally ill people um, have been uh, welcomed or not welcomed or feel com- a level of comfortness with uh, opening up. I talked to several Christians who struggle with mental illness who said to me that the last place that they would let anyone know that they had a mental illness was the church. And there was a great sense of um, of a feeling that they would be abandoned, that they would be uh, cut off. Um, so I really think the church really needs to take a systematic approach to it, not just um, uh, feel that, you know, just suddenly we can become a church that's opening and welcoming with people that, with a mental illness. Um, I think the church um, needs to educate itself about mental illness, and I think that that would be as easy as having a psychiatrist and psychologist, maybe a minister, and someone who's willing to talk about their mental illness, come in and do a seminar and help people understand mental illness or do a sermon series uh, to help people get the, uh, the whole concept of mental illness out in the open. I think the church needs to be a place of sanctuary. And I think for many mentally ill people, the church does not feel like a place of sanctuary. It doesn't feel like a safe place, and I think the Church really needs to work on that. And the way it does that, I think, is to um, is to become a Church that's, that's welcoming and affirming of everyone that would come to their Church. And uh, when a person struggling with a mental illness sees that their Church is that kind of a Church, then they're more likely to be willing to share their own struggle with mental illness. And then there's just one more thing I would want to say about that is that um, I think our churches need to become a place of faith where lament is normalized. And what I mean by that is that we need it to to be a place where we don't always have to be joyful and happy and have it all together. And often churches uh, can give that sense to people. We should always be praising the Lord. And um, But, you know, you look in the Scripture and you see that People struggled profoundly with their relationship with God, and uh, we need to be able to 
have that uh, ability to lament. There's a whole book in the Hebrew Bible that talks about lament that is dedicated to the whole concept of lament, and yet we don't give much credence to that or openness to that in many churches. Um, so I, I think I think those are kind of some of the things the church needs to do in order to become a place where people feel comfortable with uh, expressing why, that they're... Why, why do you feel or why do you feel as though the church is still lacking in that area? Is it a lack of education? And what do you what do you feel? Well, I think it is a lack of education. And as I said at the beginning, we need to really become a church that intentionally educates itself about mental illness. And I think that means bringing in some people that often um, know more about it than we do. But, you know, maybe this um, what we're going through in 2020 is going to be a catalyst for many churches who have not addressed this issue to really be forced to, to address it and to look into it, because uh, this is uh, having a very hard um, effect on people that struggle uh, with, with mental illness. And mental illness is definitely something that can't be healed overnight, but a lot of people out there quite often think, hey, just, you know, suck it up buttercup and get back on that road. But what would yes. you say to people out there that are that still think with that mentality? Well, mental illness is not something that you ever are healed from, I believe. I think you're going to struggle with your mental illness for the rest of your life. And I think it's something we need to um, accept. And I would say even embrace. And um, I've been told many times that I just needed to suck it up and I just um, needed not to depend on medication or psychiatrists or psychologists. I just needed to get my act together. And just like Job's friends, we're familiar with the book of Job. Um, I had people say many things to me that Job's friends said to them, and that was that it's really your own fault that you're going through this. Um, you're, uh, you, you've got unconfessed sin in your life, or um, you don't have enough faith, so you need to simply admit that you've, uh, you've strayed away from God. And uh, these things just are not helpful. Um, the people who already feel, um, in many, many instances, as if they've been abandoned by God and abandoned by their fellow, fellow Christians. Tell us about your book, uh, who you're trying to reach with it. Well, I'm really trying to reach people that uh, struggle with a mental illness who have a uh, who have a relationship with God, um, primarily Christian people, and I'm trying to um, help them rather than providing a, a, a self-help book. And I've looked at enough self-help books to know that they're for me were not helpful. And uh, I didn't want to write something that was academic because I didn't have the ability to do that, not being a psychiatrist. But I wanted to write a book that would give people a language and a way to understand their mental illness from a spiritual standpoint and to understand what they might be going through from a spiritual standpoint. So throughout the book, um, I just don't write about my own experience. I do that in the first chapter, but the rest of the book is really an exegesis of some scripture 
um, Jesus' teaching about being lost and being valued by God and uh, being sought out because we are part of the marginalized of society. Um, and, uh, and to really delve into the book of Job and really see how Job suffered and uh, to really uh, identify with Job and the longing to, 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 have, to become whole people. Because I think that that, I, I think that often people that struggle with mental illness, Christians, um, just feel like they cannot be whole people um, because, of the, because of the mental illness that they're struggling with. So I wanted to write a book that would be, really give people a language and a way to understand their mental illness and not necessarily provide, here's the easy answer, um, here's the seven ways to beat the blues or um, ten easy steps out of depression. I didn't want to approach it that way. Um, I think that would be to insult the intelligence often of uh, people with a mental illness. What would you say to that listener that's maybe tuning in and thinking, you know what, this is exactly how I'm feeling? I, what, what would your words be to them, um, speaking from your own experience, and, and they're feeling lost in their spiritual journey? What would you say to them? Well, I would say to them that, one, they should not feel a sense of guilt about that. That, uh, that in many ways we can get lost um, in our journey with God. Um, and sometimes we stray away from God, um, and um, that certainly happens for us all. But I think sometimes we can just wake up in a place where we're lost, and we don't really know why. The spiritual journey just suddenly stalls. And I don't think we should be built about that. I think we need to, in, in one sense, we need to lean into that, and to settle into that and surrender to it. And... Um, um, I think it's important. Um, I would also say to people, I think it's important for you to know yourself and to um, to not necessarily see your experience as everybody else's experience, but to um, to understand what you're going through personally and uh, to seek help with someone who can walk you through that and help you understand um, what's happening to you. So I a big component of seeing psychologists and psychiatrists if you um, are struggling with a mental illness and with depression. And we wait far too long, I think, sometimes with, with when we're struggling with depression because of things. We think as Christians we shouldn't be struggling with that. And the other thing I would say is that we need to welcome our imperfection. We're just not perfect people, and wholeness is not about being, about being perfect. It's about embracing our brokenness, in fact. And um, we need to embrace that brokenness and live in the journey that, that God is giving us and, and walk in that journey and recognize that our mental illness is part of our spiritual journey by necessity. So in a sense, I guess I'm saying is, is not to find it. We want to um, get ourselves back to a healthy place. And so in that sense, we want to struggle and fight it, but I think we need to resign ourselves to the fact that we have a mental illness that we're going to struggle with probably for the rest of our lives, and that in our relationship with God, we have the hope of, um, of coming to a place where we can live um, with our mental illness and can feel spiritually whole. 
What's the biggest thing that God has taught you throughout this entire journey? Oh my gosh. Um, I think God has taught me um, that I need to that I need to surrender. And when I talk about surrender, you know, we can surrender by giving up, and I'm not talking about that. But we can also surrender by giving in. And giving in to um, our depression, again, is, is accepting that we have it. And then recognizing that God really is there, as much as God doesn't, it does, as much as it feels like God isn't there. God really is there. And um, we need to um, recognize that at times we're not going to feel that, but that even when we don't feel that, of course, it's true. And um, it probably will require leaning back on some of the things we know. I would say delve into Scripture. Look at what Jesus talks about, teaches about uh, the lost. Um, um, one of the things that was so helpful for me was to go through Jesus' teaching on the law, on being lost in the three parables of the lost shepherd, or sorry, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And, uh, and in that, to see that what Jesus was doing with uh, correcting the Pharisees' um, the label of outcasts and sinners to the marginalized, but calling them as lost. And by calling them lost, he attached value to them. Because when we say something is cast out, we, it's not something we ever want to have again. We get back. But if we talk about something as being lost, we've attached value to it. So when we lose our car keys or we lose our cell phone, we become anxious. And we become anxious about it because those are things that have value to us. And so we go, go and seek them. And when we find them, we're greatly relieved and made and rejoice in those things. And um, one of the things I think that's been most helpful for me is to recognize that to be lost is not um, the same as being an outcast. Being lost is, uh, well, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save or to make whole the lost. And I think that what's been so helpful for me is to, is to, uh, to go through all of that and to recognize that, uh, that, that I'm not thrown away, not cast aside, but I'm just, I'm just lost. And um, I can wait. Sometimes it requires waiting until God finds you. And uh, I think that's been helpful for me to, to not fight against it, to not struggle, but to let God find me directly. For people who want to learn more about you, about your book, how can they go about doing that? Well, they can get the book on uh, Amazon.ca by just typing in directions for getting lost or typing in my name, um, and they would get that book. Um, I've got a seminar that I do, but of course, and I was lined up to do a couple of them until the COVID hit, but I do a seminar that's based on, on the book, and I would be always happy to to do a seminar, and it's really uh, it's just a couple of hours. It's not a long um, weekend or anything like that of, uh, of teaching, but just a, just a short um, workshop, really, that I sometimes um, have had the opportunity to provide. 
Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation, Connections airs twice a day, once in the morning as well as once in the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. We'll talk to you again on Connections.